Welcome to another episode of Streamed and Screened, co-hosted by myself, Chris Lay, the podcast operations manager for Lee Enterprises, and Bruce Miller, longtime entertainment reporter and the editor at the Sioux City Journal. And I got to tell you, Bruce, over the course of me waiting for you to jump in on this Zoom call, I got an email from Vanity Fair telling me, Fleischman is terrific. That's the, the headline of the email. Tell us about Fleischman really quick, Bruce. It's based on a best-selling book, and it's about a doctor, a liver doctor, played by um, Jesse Eisenberg, whose wife, who's an agent, just decides she's had enough and she's leaving. They get a divorce, and then one day when she drops the kids off, she disappears. Nobody can find her. Nobody knows what happened to her, and he's like going insane because he doesn't know what to do. Well, for help, he relies on his friends. One friend is a, a writer played by Lizzie Kaplan. And she's kind of the, she's the voice of the, of the particularly the miniseries. She's the narrator of the whole thing and she tells the story. But she's a writer who really wonders if she didn't achieve her potential, that she needed to do more because she wanted to be one of those marquee magazine writers and she never was. And she feels trapped in her marriage too, but she hangs in. And then their other friend, they're kind of a friend triangle, played by Adam Brody. And he's this kind of arrested development guy who hasn't settled down. And he still thinks he's kind of hip. And, you know, he's running around with the guys and they're doing all these kind of parties and whatnot. And so here's this triangle of friends that are trying to make sense of what's going on in Fleischman's life. And uh, it's a fascinating, fascinating look at friendship much more so than the TV series Friends. You get to find, you know, really what role do you play in somebody else's life? Are you just an advisor? Are you a sounding board? What are you? Claire Danes plays the wife who disappears. And after the first episode, you really don't see her much until she has her own episode. And we have two separate interviews, a double dose, a twofer. A two, a, does, it, is it, does it get any better than that? That has to be right? It's a twofer. Yeah. That is a grand total of three people that you interview. First up, we're going to be hearing from your conversation that you had with Adam Brody, who is probably best known for the OC. He played Seth Cohen. You know, he's been, he's one of those guys pops up a whole bunch. I really liked him in a movie called The Kid Detective, which came out a couple of years ago that I'm sure is streaming somewhere. And, uh, and Lizzie Kaplan, the two of them, two of the triumvirate of this friend thruple, if you will. Uh, and Lizzie Kaplan, most people will recognize from Masters of Sex. Masters of Sex. Uh, she was also in Party Down, the much beloved cult TV series, which is, I think, coming just back. Come back. Yeah, I think that's still floating around as a, a thing that might be coming back. Masters of Sex, Party Down, bunch of other stuff someone who's just been in a, in a lot of different things she was uh also castle rock there was like that whole season of castle rock that she was on so that's the first set of interviews that we'll, we'll be throwing to in just a little bit but the one after that stick around because we have you talking with taffy broadisser ackner she's the author she was a writer for gq and she'll tell you about this about how she got into the idea of writing a book and what she thought was going to happen with the book. And then she is now the showrunner for this, 
this mini series, this limited series and the control that she has and what she kind of had to do and what it meant to her. Fascinating. And she works for the New York Times. So she has life beyond the book. It comes up in the conversation that you have with Taffy, uh, Brodus or Ackner, that the Lizzie Kaplan character, who is a feature writer, is loosely based on that. And because Taffy, Brodus or Ackner, when she was writing for GQ, and I mean, she's written, she has a very long list of publications that a publisher, and she's won a whole bunch of awards for profile writing. I'll link to a handful of those uh, profiles that, that she's been recognized as having written the heck out of, but I'm fascinated by her career that she went from profile writing to I mean, this being her first novel. And then the novel in and of itself ending up on the national book award long list and a uh, New York times bestseller. I mean, it's uh, you know, to go from that and then, also, to not only have your show be adapted, but to then come on and flex your muscles as a showrunner when it comes to adapting. I'm I'm just fascinated by it. I'm very excited to see the show. The first two episodes, I think, come out this week, this week on Hulu. How much of the show have you seen, Bruce? I've seen it all. I watched it all because I, I first started kind of delving into the first couple of episodes just to be able to do the interview. And I was so taken with what the story was that I just kept watching all of them and finished it off and then said, okay, now I get it. You know, what's interesting about her career, Taffy's career, is that she really wanted to be one of those marquee writers, the kind that, you know, where there's probably a lot of them in the story when they're writing the story. It's not only about the subject, but it's about them too. And she decided to do something else. And as a result, she's got a much better career than if she had been one of those marquee writers. So it's kind of fascinating to see how that goes. And, you know, there will not be a sequel according to her for this, but she already has one book that'll be coming out next spring. So there's another one ready to be done. For her to say that there's, there isn't going to be a sequel. I, I understand it, but you look at, so many of these either adaptations, uh, I'm thinking of Big Little Lies was originally supposed to be a limited series, and then that got expanded out into a second season that didn't really need it. White Lotus, which you and I both love, and the second season has been fantastic so far that I've seen. You've seen a whole bunch more of White Lotus. That was one that started as a limited series and then got another season there could be a round two to this one. There really could. Um, it doesn't like kill everybody off. So there's no spoiler alert. So there isn't any kind of follow-up. There is, you know, there is a way to maybe shift it to one of the other friends being the focus and how those friends come in. I think you could do three seasons. You could do each one as a season, but a lot of surprises are in your, uh, in your future. And I think you will be really, really thrilled with Jesse Eisenberg. I always have seen him as kind of a kid, kind of that nerdy kid, or, you know, as, as somebody who's a little edgy all the time. And he's much different here as the father, much different. And when you see him in the hospital, you know, talking to patients and dealing with students who are his um, kind of protégés or his assignees, it's fascinating to see how he relates to them. He does seem older. He really, and they do, 
flashbacks too. So you get to see him where he looks like what you thought he looked like. And then you get to see him what he looks like as an adult with children and responsibilities. So we've got Bruce's conversation with Adam Brody and Lizzie Kaplan coming up in a moment. I want to real quick address also, you have a review of Black Panther and we will link to that. It's longer than you think. <laughs> it's one of those, it's 160, 61 minutes. Mm-hmm. And man, is that a long sit? I did not get up in a whole 160 minutes, even though I believe you should take a break at some point, but they could have easily made it two movies because there's one where it's kind of replacing um, Chadwick Boseman's character. And then it becomes fighting off these rebels that are coming at them. You could have done two films, easily done two films, but it's by far the best of the Marvel universe. The Black Panther films have much more going for them than uh, you know ones that might have some weird character that's in there that you just wonder, well, what's going on here? It, there's a lot here to unpack. And I really am thumping for Angela Bassett to get nominated for Best Supporting Actress. She is so, so good as the queen. Hmm. So good. And it would be a really kind of neat thing to see that happen. I still don't know that the picture is strong enough because it is a sequel to get into that mix of best best picture candidates, but it's very, very good. Interesting. So I know that you are very, I don't, maybe not skeptical, but your interest in the superhero genre, specifically MCU and uh, maybe even to, to a greater extent, the DC universe, but you're, you're very hands-off. It's uh, you, 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 you don't have a lot of, uh, of patience, I suppose, for no. movies yeah. that are just all about fan service and nerdy stuff and comic books. And um, it has to be a good story at its core for you. And that's this, this is one of those that falls in that, that category. I think it's quite, um, quite entertaining there there's humor in it there's a lot of action in it but it is long just know that it's long so plan your drinks accordingly here is bruce's conversation with adam brody and lizzie kaplan two of the stars of leishman is in trouble take it away bruce what kind of a friend are you guys are you good friends i mean to other people or are you like one of those friends that yeah i'll get to you i'll do it later very selfish. I'm great. I don't know why my friend can't worst. keep any. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't call any of his friends back, but he's a really good friend. So that's, yeah, that's a great way to be. Are Have you ever been in one of these like kind of threesomes where it's two friends and then another one and you have to kind of psych it out? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm in some groups of friends that are, I'm one of three. I can't, I would love, I'm jealous. I have a lot of friends I feel, you know, a healthy amount, not, I don't overextend, but like, I, I'd rather, you know, I would love a tight, long lasting threesome. I would even love a tight best friend for a long time. I can't, for help. I can't keep it that, you know, I got my wife and that's kind of your it. Your wife's your best friend. That's You're true. that guy. I'm that guy. Well, what I wonder is that if, does a spouse become jealous of that kind of a relationship or do they just realize, well, that's the way it is. I have a lot of friends from growing up, but I'm definitely, I don't know many people that have this experience that like, there's a group of us from when we were five years old that are oh. still really tight. Like you have that. I know Crazy. it's it's wild. And there's probably like, I don't know, 
10 of us, but I'd consider four or five of them, like my best wow. friends. I talk to them. There's a group that I'm on with. There's three of us. We text all day long, every day. It's we've known the girl, we've known each other since we were born. It's, it's weird. So I think for my spouse who has a lot, he has like his boys from growing up, but it's like a normal, they talk to each other. And then there are periods of time where they don't talk to each other as much. I think it's strange for people to see that because it's rare, but he's used to it. And now they're his friends too. So you know, everybody's happy. It works, right? Yeah. Adam, how does it play some be to play somebody who has arrested development? Because he really does seem like somebody who wants so badly to still be in that loop. Yeah, I think that's easy. And I mean, I think Seth's traits and places in life and, you know, are, are pretty easy to identify with, at least for me. I mean, I think a lot of the questions he's asking about marriage, although I was never trepidatious of it like he is, but I think there are questions most people ask a decade earlier, um, you know, of themselves and of the world. And at the same time, he's feeling his age, uh, uh, which I am too. And I think, you know, everyone's kind of feeling their age. And so, um, you know, you have impending, you have, you know, newfound middle age and you're still clinging to, um, some of your freedom, uh, if you will, from your twenties and uh and reluctant to give that up and have all the anxiety that comes with that yeah i mean kind of kind of basic in some ways meat and potatoes stuff I, I yeah i didn't have to look too hard to to find it did you ever feel that you were that in that position where you think okay it's time to move on no no i i i it's not that i got married young but i i didn't get married I mean, I guess so. I mean, in, well, no, I mean, it's about the, the, you know, the, the person, but I, I, I did feel like at a time in my life when I was, I don't know, which I think I was just kind of romantic and was like, would I, I probably would have got married five years earlier than yeah. I did had I met her and, you know, but no, I know I, I didn't have the same fear of it. I think, I think part of me was a romantic and always just assumed that like, I would, I would meet that person and jump off a cliff with them and whatever happened, you know? And, and I also don't have, I don't have, and this could be healthy or unhealthy, but I don't have a fear of divorce that some people have a serious one. Some people, my parents are still together. There's pros and I mean, I, I'm happy they are, but it's not that they're my goal, you know, either, but, but I just didn't have that like, yeah. But what if we, you know, I'm like, and then we do. Thing. Yep. And then I don't know, but I know that I want to do this and I'll take it as it comes. Yeah, that is the fear of the it works. our generation. Lizzie, how is it doing the narration? It was great. Uh, I just finished the final episode last week. Um, I had done the scratch track, but like with the fancy microphone in my apartment while we were shooting, cause they would use bits of it to play over scenes when they were the, on set actually shooting. So I've done it so many times now. And I have to say, I'm very sad it's over. Um, wow. it's, it seemed like a mountain of work and I didn't know how it was gonna get done. But now that I'm finished saying those words, I, I genuinely bummed about it. Do you like that kind of work? Is that really that interesting? Or like with this, I wonder this. if I, you would knew too much. You would, your character would know too much about what was going on. No, because she learns as well. You know, she's, it's, it's, it was tricky to wrap my head around it first before we started shooting. Um, just trying to get a handle on, okay, so this is her take on everything that's happened, but it's in 
it's in the future from what you're seeing because she's looking back and there is hindsight to this, but she's still learning things along with the audience. And it was just like tying my brain up in like pretzels, but because I had also never seen something like this, like oftentimes a voiceover feels like a lazy way to tell a story, but this is so much her arc as well. And so it just feels like its own thing. I didn't know if it was gonna work, from what I've seen of the episodes, I feel like it really did. Work. I love, love, love it. Two things. One, love your performance, the voice. It's it is this show. I mean, it it's so great. And also, I loved the adaptation. How much they kept it in because she's a writer. Yeah. The movie and even the genre feels so novelistic. It's yeah. such a you know, and she's Archer Sylvan. Like it's such a male writer of the male examining his life in the middle age. It's such a book, it's such a Philip Roth, all those authors. Yeah. And what I love is how literary the show feels because of it. If you took out that voiceover, it wouldn't have that same novel feeling. I agree with and, that. And um, yeah, it feels like a book on screen in the best possible way. To me. It works and so do the white shoes. So make sure you wear the white shoes all the time, Adam, because they really are you. The white shoes? What white shoes? Yes. No, when you're out with the guys and they're all wearing white tennis oh, shoes because shoes. that's so <laughs> hip. Oh, well, do. Thank you, guys. Thanks a lot. So, much. so that was Bruce talking with Adam Brody and Lizzie Kaplan. Thank you so much to them for taking the time. And is there anything we need to know about Taffy Broadusser Ackner, Bruce, heading into this conversation that you had with her? She's certainly realizing dreams that were probably never dreams for her. I find that kind of fascinating. And she talks about really not thinking that this was going to be anything. She said, you know, because she was writing all the time, she really, what do I do? Just write a book? And when you talk to your friends and say to them, yeah, I'm working on a book, there's an expectation there that, well, have you got a publisher and have you got, is it finished and where is this going to go? And she said, it was just a thing for me. And I was starting to do my thing with this. And then it turned out to be something. And, you know, it had bestseller written all over it. So here is Bruce's conversation with Taffy Broadusser Ackner, the magazine feature writer, novelist, and now acclaimed showrunner. Showrunner. I don't know. Yeah, that's a, a, a an absurd collection of hyphenates, but... Here's Taffy with Bruce. Hi, Bruce. How are you today? Good, I hope. I, I'm surviving. Thank you very much for asking. How does it feel to have this now at this stage? I mean, it must have been when you were first dreaming about the story and trying to write the story. It's been a long time with this story. It has been five, it has been seven years since I sat down and wrote its first sentence and it's almost like I feel like I've written today, the premiere day, as this version of an extension of the story because it wasn't actually ever going to happen. I kept reading this poem about whether or not Sisyphus was happy. Like we don't ever consider that Sisyphus was happy. <laughs> Had you always thought of writing a book or was this as a result of something else? I thought of writing this story as an article about a sort of culture change in dating but my GQ editor, that's where I was at the time, did not like the idea. And so I wrote it as a novel. I don't know. I guess every, I, maybe every writer thinks of writing other forms. Um, I certainly always felt like I was just a writer, like that there was not a form I couldn't at least try. And 
the stakes felt very low. I felt no one would read it. And then when I was writing this, I felt no way would it get greenlit. So <laughs> you do a lot of things in, in the, in the shadows. Is Lizzie's character you? Um, I mean, in any work of fiction, all the characters are the, um, are the author. So I don't know if she's, she is, um, biographically more, but maybe you could say that you would make her more me, which would stop questions about whether or not I was more the other characters who definitely have some implications to them. So what kind of a friend are you? Are you a good friend or are you one of those like, oh, good, we'll see you later? Um, I hope I'm a good friend. I hope would, I'm a good friend. Would you be the kind, though, that would kind of rush in and be the help there for somebody like like? I hope this? I would be. I hope I would be. Uh, I, I know that the book is the result of listening to many friends tell me about their troubles. So maybe yes. Yeah, and I then, never thought of it that way. How do they re how do they react to the the whole thing? Are they like, oh my God, that's me. I know you're doing me here. <laughs> there are a lot of people um, since publication of this book who tell me that they know the person that this is about. And then sometimes I ask them who that is and I've never met that person. So I think the thing I've learned is that that thing in Anna Karenina that says all marriages, happy marriages are the same, unhappy marriages are different. I actually think it's wrong. I think all divorces are the same. Okay. <laughs> Good way of doing that. I think that's a great, a great point. Well, then where does it go from here? I mean, could there be a second season of this or could there be, you know, a whole new project that takes you in that direction or what? I, it's a limited series. This story is the um, breadth of the book and I feel it's very complete. You know, you never know. Like it, I'm also very tempted it's tempted to never let any of these characters go. It's sad. Whatever I, I write next will be a little less close to my bones than this, right? This was my first thing and my most essential um, thing that I can still feel in my stomach, but I've already written the second book. It'll be out next year. Oh, wow. Well, then, yeah. then the series and then the whole works goes, right? Well, who knows? I'm expected back at my very nice job at the New York Times. What um, I love, though, is that you have all of this entertainment kind of inside information dropped mm -hmm. in. I thought that was really cool. The first episode, I was like, oh, my God, I know what she's talking about. With with which part? There, you drop in little information. I wish I could. It's not in my head right now. Okay. But information about the entertainment world and all the things that are kind of stirring about with her as an agent. An or, agent. Or I love agents. I think agents are fascinating. And I don't think anyone... I know there's a, there are a couple of shows about them, but I feel like agents are the most interesting people that I know. And Hamilton, it's Hamilton, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's its own thing. It's like, it's, it's, it's your, all your questions are about uh, revealing something. Everything is what it is. If it reminds you of something that that's. Then I'm okay. How the culture goes. Yeah. Hey, thank Everything's you. Everything's derivative of everything else except for the Garden of Eden. That was the only original work. There you go. Thank you so much. I appreciate thank it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Adam Brody and Lizzie Kaplan and Taffy Broaddus-Ackner for taking the time to talk with Bruce. Fleischman is in trouble. The book has been out for a while. The show is on Hulu. The first two episodes are out as of the time that this is hitting your ears. 
It's getting great press. Bruce is a fan. He's seen the whole thing. If you'd like to link to my review, you can. That'll be uh, available. That'll be in there, as well as a link to Bruce's much more in-depth Black Panther Wakanda Forever review. You know, when you watch Fleischman, try to figure out which character you think you are. For me, that was very fascinating. I, you know, at one point I was Fleischman. At one point I was his best male friend. At hmm. one point I was his female friend. At one point I felt like the wife who disappeared. Like a Paris Review version of Who's Your Favorite Beetle? <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's one of those things that I think ebbs and flows as you go along. Too often directors try to lead us in a in a direction where they want us to go, and feel sorry for Fleischman. But maybe Fleischman is the villain of the whole thing. Watch and see. Thank you to Taffy and to Adam and to Lizzie. Talking with Bruce. We'll have links to Hulu where you can get all that stuff, all the articles we talked about. Uh, subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends. We'll be back next week with more fun stuff. See something good. Stream something good. We're not quite the Harlem Globetrotters yet of <laughs> taglines. <laughs> That works. You can glue that together.